Hi, this is Weed. And this is Cliff. Thanks for listening to the new Weed and Cliff podcast. It's a collection of things we think are interesting, and we hope you enjoy our take on them. And if you do, please consider clicking that Support the Podcast button over on the other side of the page. Thanks again for listening to the new Weed and Cliff podcast. This story contains a word of warning for those who have library books that have been overdue for decades, and you know who you are. Karen McBride walked into a license branch in Texas to change the name on her driver's license after getting married recently, only to hear the clerk say, Did you know you're wanted in Oklahoma? They gave the woman a number in Norman to call, and the person answering said, Cleveland County District Attorney's Office, how may I help you? And soon enough, they confirmed the charges. Failure to return rented property, which apparently in Oklahoma is considered felony embezzlement. The property in question... A VHS movie, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which was allegedly rented and never returned in 1999. Kind of making me a little nervous this morning, Cliff. (laughs) Can they do that with library books, you think? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that song. Remember that old song from many years ago? I don't even remember who sings it. Indiana wants me. Lord, I can't go back there. You remember that? (laughs) I do remember that. I I have no idea who sings it. Uh, but I remember the song. Yeah. Boy, it was bad. That would have been a great punishment <laughs> song, you know that? That would have been... I'm going to look that up, Cliff, to see if I can't figure out who uh, actually sang that song. That's kind of what I feel like this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Josh Turner. Excuse me. I'm already choked up about it. You're so nervous. I am. <laughs> Somebody's knocking at the door. Cliff. No. no. Cliff? Yes? I've got the answer. The answer? Yes. Okay. R. Dean Taylor. Does that ring a bell? It does. Huh. Was he uh, the singer who was talking about that song that... um, Indiana wants me. (laughs) Lord, I can't go back there. Yeah. You know, when I think of... uh, I just don't think of Indiana as an aggressive state. You know, if Indiana wants you, that's not (laughs) their fault. You know? (laughs) We're not known for, you know, like sending posses out to round up criminals and... We didn't really have a hanging tree, that kind of thing. Right. Oklahoma City wants me. I'm a little bit, you know, nervous it's, about that. Yes. Yeah. You know, even Fargo, North Dakota. I'm a little bit scared about that was, wanting me. <laughs> a little but, bit scared of Fargo, North Yes, but Indiana wanting me, I'm like, eh, you know, what's the worst <laughs> that could happen in Indiana? I have thought about, Cliff, playing just a little clip of this song, but I'm a little fearful of the song, to be honest with you. <laughs> Here's just a taste of it. Okay, go ahead. That's enough of that. That's that's really bad. That'd have been a great punishment song. I'm telling you, we <laughs> we this story of medical history from the Far East has two words you don't really want to ever hear side by side. Separately, the words aren't all that serious, but together they're a perfect storm concocted in the offices of the Morning Roadshow Department of Just in Time for Breakfast. Ogata Kowan was a physician in Japan 160 years ago and is considered largely responsible for bringing Western medicine and culture into the country in the mid-1800s. He also helped to found Osaka University and, as you might expect, is quite revered on that campus, with historians researching his work and poring over his writings and artifacts he left behind, like, say, his medical kits. The school is in possession of two small wooden chests, each ornately decorated and both filled with vials of liquids and powders, drugs that he administered on house calls so many years ago. Those researchers recently set out to determine the contents of those vials. 
a difficult matter because many of them are quite fragile and cannot be opened without destroying them. So they decided to, for the first time ever, bombard something with a subatomic particle known as a muon, kind of like an x-ray. Muons can pass through the glass container with whatever material inside giving off a certain light, thus indicating the contents. Turns out one of the vials contains a white crystal substance determined to be something called mercuric chloride, something frequently given for ailments in the 1800s that included strokes, syphilis, ulcers, and constipation. But if you think the list of side effects you hear on TV commercials for drugs today is bad, this one is way worse. Stomach pain, vomiting blood, a burning sensation in the mouth and throat, and kidney failure. In other words, mercuric chloride is poison. History shows, though, that Ogata Kowan wasn't the first and wouldn't be the last to prescribe for constipation a toxic laxative. <laughs> Two words you'd never want to hear together. <laughs> well, if you've been listening this morning, you've heard the Associated Press go on and on about the Oscars last night. Yes. Every little nook and cranny and detail <laughs> that you could possibly want to know, they're bringing it to our attention. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, Cliff, yeah. I don't know how actors and actresses think, but when the movie theaters are closed almost mm -hmm. the entire year and you put something out and you win yeah. an Oscar, it's like you won the World Series and never touched a bat. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you win or do you feel like you're really a winner in this thing, Cliff? I, just, because I mean, well, um, you know, the people who vote on who wins or don't win in the Oscars has nothing to do with people who, us regular <laughs> folk who actually go to the to the theater. So it really doesn't matter if it, they're open or closed. It's basically you're voted on by members of that Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So basically you're voted on by people in your industry. It has nothing to do with us. <laughs> Well, it should have something to do with us. I agree. If we're the ones paying the money to go see it, yeah. why don't we get to vote on who wins the thing? The I don't one know. we think is the most popular. <laughs> if no one's at the theater to see you work, Cliff, it's a yeah. lot of, like this program here. <laughs> this is true. They know you're doing something. They but just don't, don't care. Yeah, they don't care they enough don't... to actually go listen. No. <laughs> Cliff, we've got a question for you this morning that came in bright and early. Okay. Are you prepared for a question? Uh, sure, why not? All right. Hey, I've got a question uh, for the brain. Uh, could you tell me uh, how many marshmallows we got there so I can go ahead and uh, send in my guest? <laughs> of course, Cliff, he's referring to on our Weed and Cliff Facebook page. Yes. The marshmallows that Audrey from the Opry counted. And if yes. you guess closest without going over, you're going to win tickets yep. to see the Grand Ole Opry this Friday night. Cliff, right. do you have a guess for Phil McCracken, or are you going to keep I, that to uh, yourself? I do not have a guess, and I have not estimated the uh, number of marshmallows in the container, nor do I want to because, um, you know, that would really be unfair uh, because I would win. That's and right. So I don't I mean I and and the exact number neither you nor I know only she knows at this moment in time and she's going to tell us around 8:30 this morning. Yes. You know Cliff if you're a train yeah and you come into a town on fire that's a showstopper <laughs> right there. You're exactly right. <laughs> what do you do for an encore on that I don't know but yeah. as a train you're like here I am. <laughs> 
Well, Cliff, I have been thinking about our contest of counting the marshmallows, and we've had some other folks since we mentioned it, and Phil McCracken mentioned it, wanting you to give him the number. Yeah. Uh, Perhaps we need to shut this down at 8 o'clock. Not that any of our wonderful 11 listeners would do it, but perhaps one of their neighbors might. Yeah. Wait until Audrey gives the magic number and then scuttlebutt their little (laughs) thing in there. Yeah. So I'm thinking, Cliff. Yeah. Let's knock this out at 8 o'clock. That's the last numbers we will take at 8 this morning, okay? Agreed. So if you're after 8 o'clock and you nail it right on the number, you're not going to be the winner. We're going to try to make it as fair as possible. And then once she gives us the number, we have to scroll and scroll and scroll. Perhaps Audrey will do that for us and uh, pick out the winner. (laughs) I I doubt if that will happen. Well, you can bet I'm going to ask her. So anyway, (laughs) we're going to find out coming up on the Morning Road Show. Weed police in Austin, Texas, say it took a canine officer to arrest a man Thursday night after he refused to surrender, and it nearly took a lot more. The unidentified man spotted driving a car described as possibly being involved in a domestic dispute Thursday night. But upon seeing Austin police and Travis County Sheriff deputies arrive on scene, the suspect locked himself in the vehicle and refused to get out. He reportedly yelled at officers through the window glass as they surrounded his car, and then he put it in drive and took off. After driving a short distance, though, police say the man crashed the vehicle into a ditch, but still, he remained in the car with the doors locked and the windows rolled up. Apparently, he thought police were just joking when they told him the vehicle was on fire. The dude didn't exit the car until smoke and flames got really bad. And then he decided he'd just walk away instead of surrendering, and that's when the police dog had to assist in the takedown. Kind of like a train in for a branch there, isn't it, Cliff? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not joking. That train was on fire. Yes, it was. Yes, yes. <laughs> Well, on the phone line, we have Audrey from the Grand Ole Opry. Good morning, Audrey. Good morning. How y'all doing? We are doing absolutely wonderful. Thank you for calling in this morning and uh, talking with us once again. I know you've got the number, but first of all, before we get to that magic number of marshmallows, who's playing at the Opry this Friday night? Yes, this Friday night, of course, we've got the Opry members, the Gatlin Brothers. Um, and then we've got Rhett Atkins, Doyle Dykes, Levi Hummin, Caroline Jones, and comedian Dusty Slay. you got a pretty good lineup there on Friday night, don't you? Yes, I'm so excited. Did you hear <laughs> the song before you came on with us this morning? Did you plan that? Well, no, I didn't plan that. There's no planning on this. That's <laughs> right, we don't plan. <laughs> we don't plan anything. <laughs> Do you like that singer? Oh, my gosh, he was on the opera just last night. It was so good. I mean, this is the first time the, I mean, the audience was dancing. It was amazing. He just brought the stage to life. It was fantastic. And I just can't wait to do it again next weekend with one of your winners on Friday. I want to thank you once again for counting all of those marshmallows. We have over 650 entries of guesses. Would you like to scroll through to find our winner for us, too? Um, I'll let you do that part. Uh, I knew that's what you were going to say. I, I'm going to have to ask for a recount. No, no. We're lucky. We're lucky Audrey's still speaking with us, right, Cliff? Exactly right. We're not having a recount on this. We're going, going with the number she said. Recount. <laughs> wow. 
Cliff, do we wow. have a winner yet? Because I started we, looking through all of that, and that's a lot yeah. of work, and I thought, nah. uh, Maybe you could get someone else to do it. Yes. Because she wouldn't. <laughs> no, she wouldn't do it, would she? Fortunately, you know, I got your back, and I know the winner. Ooh. The winner is, actually, she came within 12 marshmallows of having a 100% accurate guess. Wow. Because uh, Audrey said there was 1,337 marshmallows. The winner had 1,325. And her name is Joyce Whitman. Oh, when I think of a dozen, I only think of donuts, not marshmallows. <laughs> I was kind of thinking that, too. When, whenever I realized it was a dozen, I'm like, hmm, donuts. Donuts, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy, Cliff, in Japan was dating more people at the same time than I've ever dated in my entire lifetime, seven. So, yeah, lock him up. That's what I'm saying right now. This guy, okay. Cliff, at the same time was dating 35 different women. He was a door-to-door -door shower product salesman. And the question wow. is, why in the world would you want 35 girlfriends? That's a lot of... You need a spreadsheet for that, Cliff, to keep all of that straight on what you're doing. I would think so, yeah. And he didn't do it out of emotional considerations or companionship or, you know, insecurity about being a good-looking guy. Yeah. He did all of that so he could get presents from them because he told each lady a different name and different date for his birthday. <laughs> so he constantly had a stream of presents coming in. And they arrested this guy for fraud. And he okay. only got $1,400 worth of presents. That's kind of chintzy for 35 different presents, Cliff. If you Damn. only come up with $1,400, I can't do the math. Yeah. But that's not very much per present. <laughs> but that's the only reason he did that. 35 ladies at the same time. And I don't say this very often, Cliff, but uh, yeah. I'm going to say it today. What's that? I'm going to put in some extra work take it to the bank this morning. Whoa! Yes. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be any good or not, but I'm going to actually well, do a little extra work on that. So I might okay. be gone for just a little bit here, Cliff, uh, talking with you and our wonderful 11 listeners. Okay. I am um, intrigued by the uh, man in Japan with the 35 girlfriends at the same time. <laughs> the reason I say that, Cliff, yeah. to acquire 35 boyfriends or girlfriends, yeah. you can't spend a lot of time on the ones that aren't interested in you. You know, you've got to constantly <laughs> go quick and... You know, a lot of yeah. times, you know, you think somebody likes you and you play the uh, song and dance for a long time and you end up, you know, dancing by yourself after <laughs> wasting weeks and weeks or months of your life. Yes. So this guy here has to have a yeah. system. So I'm going to try to find some kind of study or survey that says yeah. how long a gentleman has before the lady goes, there's no way possible you're going to be around. I don't know if I can do it in time, Cliff, but we're okay. going to give it a shot. And then it's time now for Take It to the Bank. Okay. In honor somewhat of the uh, man from Japan that had 35 girlfriends at the same yeah. time. According to the study I found, Cliff, mm -hmm. more than half of all ladies mm -hmm. make up their minds within... 30 seconds of meeting a man, whether he's a potential boyfriend material or not. 
30 seconds, they can tell. They can tell in 30 seconds or less, but that's the most, about 30 yeah. seconds. That seems awful quick to me. How about you? Well, you said boyfriend material. So it's not like, you know, they're picking a husband. They're just picking a candidate for husband. Man, that's quick. That's that's <laughs> you gotta make a quick impression there. And the scientist Cliff went on to say, and I yeah. can't hardly believe this. What? The most important thing the guy could do in their research yeah. was have a great pickup line or lines. That works extremely well. I thought women didn't like that. That's what I thought, this too. The last thing they wanted to hear was a pickup line. Yes, but according to this research, Cliff, that's yeah. extremely important. You have to have a pickup line that encourages the other person to talk about themselves in an unusual or quirky way. Okay. Now, here's my pickup line, Cliff. Uh-oh. I'll try it out on you. Okay. No, I'm not trying to pick you up. Hello? That's good to know. Yeah, that's good to know. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm, just in case it works, Cliff, you know, I'm just, you know. <laughs> Don't get any ideas. Well, I just want to make caution here. I'm Caution. Okay. Here it is. Hello. Okay. My name is Weed, and I work at a radio station. And I think, Cliff, that conjures up in her mind yeah. of living in a house with a bunch of cars setting up on blocks dotted throughout the yard, and that kind of <laughs> ruins the whole thing right there. You say a radio station, uh, uh, no. Yeah. With all of that, mm -hmm. except maybe that ending, you can take to the bank. Cliff, was there anything said today? Phrases of the day start with number three. No, we're not joking. That train was on fire. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> number two. A toxic laxative. Ooh. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the number one morning roadshow phrase for today. Indiana wants me. Oh. <laughs> this just doesn't sound scary to me, Cliff. I don't know. <laughs> I'd rather hear the librarian wants me. That would be scarier than Indiana wants yeah, me. Yeah, considering that book you've got, Shh. yeah, it would be. <laughs> if there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, go to weedandcliff.com and click the Contact Us button and send us a message. Thanks again for listening to the new Weed and Cliff podcast.